This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, December 12th, 2023 edition. I'm host Justin Klein, and this is hours for you. I'm excited for this hour. It goes by quick, so I encourage you, if you're going to pick up the phone, do it sooner rather than later. And we love our live calls. We have some recorded calls that always come in after hours, but our live calls are, I would say, the most valuable. Um, but either way, you can reach out, ask your question, and get some perspective developed with over 20 plus years of investment experience on whatever topic, investment topic, you are thinking about. So, we're going to run down the market performance for today. Interesting day in the markets, CPI day. We're going to also talk about our show topics for the entire hour, but right after we answer our first caller question now. Hello, this is Mike from Cincinnati. Thanks for everything you do for us on the show. Really appreciate it. Today I have a question about ticker symbol COST. That's COST, Costco. Uh, it's been on uh, quite the run-up lately. I really like uh, this company. I have a small position already. I'm just uh, wondering what you would think a good support level uh, for the next time to buy in would be. Thanks again for everything you do. Have a good day. All right, looking at Costco, and this is now at a 52-week high, an all-time high, actually, this week. Closed at $629.50 today, and its high from 20, early 2022 was around $611. So breaking out here, and so the technicals are, are certainly fine. Obviously, the market is more optimistic of a Fed pause that creates better economic activity and thus demand for for shoppers that uh, that shop at Costco. And you know the issue here really is valuation. It's pretty expensive at these levels if you're digging into uh, kind of the multiples that it's trading at. You know, the positive is they have a, a great balance sheet and consistent cash flow, net cash on their balance sheet, uh, pretty much. But it's trading at about enterprise value to EBITDA around 25 times. That's historically above average. Typically, it trades closer to high teens around the 20 level. So based on historical multiples, it's about 20% overvalued, about 20% overvalued. But if you're looking for the next support level, that would be just simply where it kind of consolidated for much of the spring and the summer, right around the 570 level. So uh, if you're looking to buy in a pullback, 570 is that first major support level. Uh, and then around 520, 2525, that would be the next major support level. All right. That was Costco, C-O-S-T. Now, with a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes, our main focus point is behind this question. Should investors keep an eye on small cap stocks? And this is 
a very important discussion. And we're going to look at longer term data. I always try to default to long term data, because it tells you a much better story than what's happened over the past three, six, 12, 18 months. Most investors have recency bias. But that recency bias usually usually directs them the wrong way. And there's increasing concentration within the major indices. And obviously, that reduces the benefit of diversification of the major indices. And this is a study from November of this year. And they just what they determined is that concentrated stock markets dominated by a small number of very successful firms like you're like you're seeing now are associated with less efficient capital allocation and slower economic growth. So we're going to talk about the recent stock performance, but small cap versus large cap stocks and making sure that uh, you have some investment awareness that has some context to today. We also are going to touch on a few other topics. One is in regards to a new regime of higher interest rates and how retirees are taking advantage of it. And if you are a pre-retiree, retiree, this is definitely a time to start thinking about that full process. In addition, option trade, option trading is at a record high number of contracts. So we're going to look at that story. And then lastly, atomic power. It's safer than ever, more efficient than ever, and it's being built most effectively in China right now. So we're going to look at that story. We also have some voice bank questions. One is on variable annuities, and the other is an IAU, the iShares Gold Trust. We also have an iTunes review question to get to as well. Now let's talk about the market performance overall today. It was a certainly positive day. Small cap value did the worst, large cap growth did the best. So a little bit of snapback here after pretty much the last two, two and a half months, the growth side of the market had been kind of leveling off, losing its momentum. You had a little bit of a resurgence today. Nothing I would say trend changing, but interesting of note that you're starting to get a little bit of strength on that side. You had the CPI number that came in a little bit better than it expected. And what's interesting here is that if you continue to see the Fed pausing, then that will benefit kind of the value side of the market, the dollar getting weaker, for example. But the CPI number today was more of a te- more of a uh, the story behind it at least was that hey the Fed's going to it was a bit higher than expected nothing blowout or anything like that somewhere in line I think there was one or two that were uh, slightly one tenth of a point higher than expected but I think the market reacted a little odd from that um, and sentiment I think is getting a bit extreme and. You know, I think the market could be getting a bit ahead of itself as of late, um, but you're still in the Santa Claus type of rally situation where upside is more common than downside. And so any little bit of news that could, I think the market could latch onto, then they're going to do that at this point. 
Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see with the Fed meeting tomorrow. The Fed meeting is tomorrow, and that will ultimately be the the final arbiter. Uh, because what the Fed says, not just about their Fed their movement, they're not, they're not going to raise rates tomorrow. They're going to pause. Uh, it's going to be about what they signal for twenty twenty four. They're probably going to talk about uh, higher for longer. There probably will be a press conference that with questions in regards to the job market, which we know has been on the softer side. And that will be the real mover of markets. So today was kind of a sideshow. You had Oracle down 12%, Lucid Motors down 8%. You had some antitrust. That was the interesting part was there an antitrust uh, loss of Google from the makers of Fortnite. And that didn't really hurt the stock. So I thought that was interesting as well. So that was the rundown of the markets today. Kind of a mixed bag as we go into Fed Day tomorrow. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom when our work continues after this break. So give me a call now at 888 chart. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, InvestTalk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go talk to Robert. He's in Pleasanton looking at Hershey HSY. Hey there, Justin. Um, yeah, my, I had kind of a general question for you because um, I'm looking at a couple of stocks, Hershey and First Solar, FSLR, that are, you know, I think they're pretty good companies, but they have uh, fallen on hard times a bit, both of them. And um, I'm just trying to avoid catching a falling knife, but um, trying to get some advice from you as to, you know, when you see a stock that's in a decline like these two are, um, at what point do you feel that uh, it might be time to jump in? Well, it, first off, you have to understand why each is falling. So for First Solar, it's falling because of higher capital costs that make solar development, solar installations a lot more expensive over time because you're borrowing money upfront to pay for the life of that system. 
And so the whole solar industry in general is is coming on on hard times and first solar is not not immune to that. Now, first solar is probably historically the most consistent best performer both from a equity perspective as well as a business perspective within the solar space. So I like what you're looking at. But you have to ask yourself is that higher cost of capital going to change anytime soon? And the simple answer is probably not. You know, we've talked about the increasing the, the, the likely uptrend that interest rates have, have created over a long time. You know, you can have pullbacks in rates over, you know, months and quarters and even even particular years. But over the long term, you know, we're in a higher inflationary environment. Rates are likely to make series of higher highs and higher lows versus lower highs and lower lows like we were through the 80s, 90s and early 2000s. So my answer to that would be it's not it's not uh, going to change. Okay. Now, Hershey is down for another reason, mainly because cocoa prices, cacao prices are on the rise, and that is hurting margins. And then you have to ask yourself, will that change? And my simple answer is yes, I do think it's going to change. Uh, another reason for potential fall uh, recently is the, the Ozempic craze and whether that's going to reduce demand for chocolate. And I've said that's more of a fad than something I think is has staying power. So I think both reasons why Hershey is under pressure has to do with transitory, to use a, a, a recent common word, uh, to, to two transitory reasons. Long term, Hershey is a consistent performer, good capital allocator, good cash flow, good balance sheet, etc. So if picking one or the other, definitely Hershey. And frankly, this is a, a name that we recently picked up uh, for clients. So we like Hershey. Uh, so that would be one I, I would consider buying, but not for solar. Thanks for the call. Any other questions? No, that was it. I uh, appreciate your feedback on that. No problem. Thanks for the call, Robert. 888-99-CHART, 889924278. Let's go back to an InvestTalk voice bank question right now. Hey, it's trying to reach uh, Justin, Steve, or Luke. This is Andrew from Atlanta. I have two ETFs, and I wonder if this is overkill. I'm holding an iShares Gold ETF, IAU, and then I also have GLD. And um, I've got a little bit more in IAU. If I were to merge which ones would you merge into? Should I sell all and go into one or the other? I'll listen to the show and hope you guys have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Well, these basically do the same thing. They're following the gold price. And if you look at them, let me see here. Let's look at the ratio between the two. IAU over time goes up. I can look at the ratio of one price versus the other. Now, neither have paid dividends, so you don't have to worry about that. And IAU continues to go up. Why? Because expense ratio is lower. 25 basis points versus 40. So if you're going to buy one or the other, it would be IAU. If you're listening to Invest Talk, or sorry, you are listening to Invest Talk, your, go your goal is financial freedom. We are here to help. So give us a call now at 888 chart
rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Now, my main focus point is set up by this question, the story behind this question. Should investors keep an eye on small cap stocks? And we know this year's MAG7 performance has really juiced overall returns for the broader indices. But it's also created increased, increasingly concentrated portfolios for anyone indexing. The top 10 holdings now count for over 30% of the S&P, for example. Now, market cap weighted index like indices like the S&P are always going to have some, con- some concentration in those larger cap names, just by the way they're constructed. But now that concentration of those top 10 are at historic highs, even higher than during the dot-com bubble 1.0, March of 2000. Back then, it peaked around, let's see, the S&P concentration peaked around 25%, top 10 holdings. Now it's over 30. And if you just focus on the Russell 1000 growth, the growth side of the market, that peaked around 42% in 2001, And now it's at 52%. So over half of the Russell 1000 growth is just in 10 stocks. But if you look at studies that go back decades, it shows that concentrated stock markets dominated by just a small number of firms are associated with a handful of bad outcomes. Less efficient capital allocation, meaning Money is not flowing to the right parts of the economy, thus creating slower economic growth. You have slower IPO activity because so many people are focused on just those larger names and not what comes next. And then low innovation because companies are unable or less able to raise capital to invest in their business, especially those smaller ones. Now, what the study showed is that just one standard deviation increase in stock market concentration increased the expected return of small cap firms going forward by 9.4% each year and decreased the expected return of the larger names by 0.83% per year. And it was most, had the most impact over the long term on those growthier names. Because like I said, the large names are so overvalued and the small names are unable to raise capital in order to invest in those exciting new innovative projects. And and thus the higher stock market concentration measured by... uh, was associated with smaller firms receiving less investor attention as measured by turnover, analyst coverage, and downloads of firms' financial information. 
So the main takeaway here is that this is not a good thing for investors. That there's a record gap in valuation between large cap names and small cap names. It's the widest level in history. And it's even larger when you just look at the MAG-7. Sorry, the MAG-8. They actually look at the MAG-8 and small cap stocks. So what sounds great, and you look at this year, that's one year. Just like last year was one year. And you can't extrapolate. Just it's it's rare to see the next year look similar to the previous year. Let's just go back and look at the last three years. 2021. Markets were strong, up nearly 30%. Dominated by the growth of your names. And what happened the next year? Markets were down. SP was down 20%. NASDAQ was down 33%. Dominated by the value side of the market. This year? Markets are up. Growth stocks back in vogue. Value still doing okay. Outside of the MAG-7, equities are up. Eight, nine, ten percent. But if you throw in the Mag Seven, it's up around twenty. Do we think next year is going to be a lot like this year? What do you think? Look at how the market tends to act. Does not tend to act the same way as it did the previous year. It's fairly rare, and the studies are showing that. That a more concentrated portfolio is bad for capital allocation. And now we are in a very concentrated market. And therefore, it makes a lot of sense to use this opportunity to increase your exposure to mid-small cap equities. All right, it's a fast-moving Tuesday. The market is constantly changing. And you must have a finance or investment question that you'd like answered. And you set the agenda. So give us a call now on Invest Talk at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. I have a question for you about indexed variable annuities. You kind of talked about this on a previous podcast, but essentially I'm wondering your thoughts on these indexed variable annuities that have buffer protection. I was, you know, one was kind of came up in a discussion with me and another financial advisor, and they seem like a great deal. Let's say you take an, an IRA and you put it into indexed variable annuity. The downsides to this are the illiquidity because there's surrender charges for six years. But if you don't need this money, say, you know, you're my age, late 20s, early 30s, you know, you don't need this money till retirement anyways, the illiquidity isn't really an issue because you don't plan on touching it anyways, assuming it's not a Roth IRA. And they just, they seem like a great deal. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it, on it again. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Uh, whoever you're talking to, you need to run far away from. Uh, variable annuities are poor investment vehicles. They sound great. Like you said, there's a lot of great writers and 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 things you can add to it that make it seem amazing you can structure them in various ways but history says they're not good investments and i've been doing this for over 20 years about 25 years now actually and i have never had a client never had a client that was happy they bought a variable annuity. I was talking about a client that I, I we don't sell variable annuities. We're not an insurance broker or anything like that. I'm talking about clients that come to me and say, hey, I bought this annuity. I have this annuity. What should I do with it? And I've never had a client that said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm stoked I have this annuity. This variable annuity. Now, Fixed annuities, that that can work. That can make sense. You get a, a fixed rate of interest. There's no risk. Straightforward, simple. Variable annuities, they're complex. They have a lot of fees, a lot more fees than you understand. And typically, the investment outcome is a lot worse than investing in the markets. So the simple answer is, let me tell you this, insurance, it comes to insurance, insurance companies, these are the insurance you might need to buy. Obviously, homeowners insurance, auto insurance, umbrella policies, great, okay. On the investment side, you're probably going to be pitched, or the life insurance side, you're going to be pitched a, a, a whole life or universal life. Huh. If you need life insurance, you buy term life. That's simple. 
Life insurance is life insurance. Life insurance is not an investment. Whole and variable life are simply variable annuities combined with a term life policy. So if you break that up and you say term is good and variable annuities are bad, they're not good investment vehicles. So you're getting sold. They're going to earn a large commission, usually nine, 10% is their, is their commission. And so that's why people get into the, that business. You can earn a lot of money. Think about it. You take somebody's $300,000, dollars $500,000, you're earning a nine, 10% commission right off the bat. And sometimes trailers, right? 1% a year, half percent a year, et cetera. On top of that, one of the worst decisions ever is to actually buy these in an IRA of any kind, Roth IRA, any tax-deferred vehicle, because that's probably the best feature of these contracts, because they are, they're contracts, is that it's tax-deferred, and they're going to pitch that. But in an IRA, a Roth IRA doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Until you take that money out. So, great question. Thanks for the call. Hope that gave everyone a great primer on how to think about annuities, insurance products, etc. All right, let's touch on options, option contracts. About 44 million option contracts have changed hands on the average day in 2023. On track to be a record. Data going back to 1973. And more than double the amount of contracts traded five years ago, just five years ago. And activity in contracts expiring the same day has been the area with the most growth. About 45% of all options are now expiring in five days or fewer. So what these are, are people taking huge risks. If you understand options, they expired a certain time and there's a, there's two portions of the value of the option. One is whether it's in the money or out of the money. Meaning is it above or below the strike price? I don't want to get too deeply in that, but then there's the time value. So how long until expiration and each option that that value can vary, but that's part of the value of the option. And when, you're buying it that day, that value dissipates by the minute, right? Because you buy that option and by the end of the day, unless it's in the money, it's worthless. Now, if it's out of the money and suddenly moves in the money and you can have huge returns. And that's really what this is all about. It's people making, taking huge risks, trying to hit, Grand slams, triple plays, home runs, whatever you want to call it, as opposed to more buy and hold investing. People don't want that anymore. They want to buy that lottery ticket. They want to double, triple, quadruple their money in a short period of time. And many traders are buying options, just holding them for an hour or even minutes. And there's even a hashtag, hashtag zero DTE that's gone viral. 
and it's bringing more uh, p- more and more people into this. And a lot of this is kind of an adren- adrenaline rush, right? A new way to to bet on the markets. And a lot of this, I think, has to do with uncertainty around the economy and a lot of nihilism, right? I can't get ahead. This is my way of getting ahead, hitting some sort of grand slam. Now, once again, the vast majority of these options expire worthless. So they are like lottery tickets, meaning you you could hit it a grand slam, but more often than not, that money you're putting in is disappearing. And they're trading a lot more around economic data points. So CPI data, jobs data, et cetera. And they're mainly betting on calls. So markets going up. And what this does, it it creates a gamma effect within the markets. It's one of the reasons why you've had a kind of pretty positive end of the year, especially what's happening in the, the tech space. AI craze is fueling volumes on things like NVIDIA. In fact, NVIDIA option volume is up 60% from last year. Tesla remains the most favorite option trade. And investors dished out more than half a trillion dollars on contracts for Tesla just this year. And the the indexes love it. Not indexes. The exchanges love it. NASDAQ recently introduced... Options tied to a bunch of ETFs, including TLT, GLD, as well as the oil fund. So I don't think it's really going anywhere, but it's all—it's also distorting markets. And I think it'll be interesting to see if they still have more. They're, they're, obviously, in aggregate, they're losing money. These short-term option buyers. The data shows that. And I think eventually they, in aggregate, will run out of juice, but it definitely is juicing the market this year, especially those large cap names. All right, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Pulaski Boy says, I will never miss an episode because Invest Talk is always up to date on current market events. Here's my question. I'm 28, looking to buy a house for the first time, able to put a 10 to 20% down payment. What should I be looking to do in terms of funding, loans, figuring out rent for potential tenants, etc.? Well, finding a loan, you, you definitely want to be shopping around. Don't be afraid to double app, run apps in parallel especially in today's market where it's harder to get things approved. And ultimately, it's just who can close, who can give you the best deal. So going with multiple mortgage brokers, don't feel bad about that. I know it kind of sucks to say, hey, I know I work with you. Didn't work out. I I have somebody else and they have gave me a better deal, give me a better rate. Also check with your local bank, bank that you bank at. That's certainly is a, a good source as well because they know you and they might give you uh, a special rate. There are some brokers that give special rates if you have a certain amount of money uh, with them. So 
simply shop around. Now, figuring out rent for tenants, you probably want to be looking at, you know, a Zillow, uh, you know, much online information about what similar properties to you are, are renting for. Um, and I'm not sure, are you talking about investing in real estate or are you going to buy a home and rent out a room? I'm not sure. Now, if you think about buying for as a rental, I'd be very careful in this market. You know, cap rates, I don't know where you're living or where you're looking, but cap rates generally across the country are still not that great, right? Prices haven't fallen enough to get the returns for rental real estate at these current prices uh, up to on par with what you're seeing in the capital markets, right? You can go buy a good corporate bond yielding six, 7%. I know here in California, cap rates on, on real estate still around 4%. So why would you deal with the headache of being a, a landlord when you can buy a bond yielding 50% more? I wouldn't. So I might need a little more color on that renting to potential tenants part. All right, let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888.99 chart. Hi, Justin, Luke, or Steve. I was actually calling about some REITs that I own. Um, wanted to get your take on how you felt about wireless tower company REITs. Uh, I do own Crown Castle and American Tower. I'm thinking about selling these. They're not doing very well. And I also own Digital Realty Trust, ticker symbol DLR. I am actually up, but I was looking to consolidate this one. Just let me know your thoughts on the REITs in general and if you would own these for the next year or two, or if I should just get out of these completely and put it somewhere else. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I think in the rate space, you have to be very careful at this time. Um, we actually used to own Digital Realty. We recently sold it. Okay, It's at 135 now. I think we sold it around 138, 139. I'm not sure. Um, but we recently sold it. Uh, a big reason was the announcement from Google that, hey, we can they can run AI on phones, that you don't need a big data center. A big reason for this recent surge in DLR and, and a lot of the a lot of those REITs is the the AI craze. And we think that got a little ahead of itself. So we recently sold it. Crown Castle, another uh that's in a different space. You're talking about cell phone tower REITs. And those were drastically overvalued for a long period of time. Now they're getting more reasonably valued, but I don't like, I still don't like, I also don't think they're cheap. Okay. So not names I would own, you know, REITs, you have to be very careful because of how they're structured. Remember, they are passed through entities. What does that mean? It means that they have to pass through a certain percentage of their operating cash flow to shareholders in order to avoid taxes on a corporate level. So that's why when you get a dividend from a REIT, it's not a qualified dividend, meaning you're not getting that 15 or 20% tax rate. That's taxed at your individual income level. Now, if you're in a 401k IRA, Roth IRA, that's not true. But if it's in a taxable account, it's taxed at your ordinary at your your level at, that you are taxed out for the year. Okay, added to your adjusted gross income. Now the, re, the now because of that structure, that pass through entity, you're they're not, it's it's difficult for them to repair their balance sheets, pay down debt. 
So there's naturally a level of leverage to them that it's good when interest rates are falling, but now that interest rates are rising, that can be more of a challenge, especially ones that have been aggressive in, in their capital allocation, in their investment, in their growth. And a lot of these cell phone tower REITs have done that, right? Buying up rights to various towers and that's their business. And now the growth is many ways going in reverse. So, you know, I think you have to be very careful. I like some of the industrial REITs, maybe some hotel REITs, but their balance sheets need to be good. Otherwise, higher rates could potentially sink these names. Thanks for the call. Now, as we're heading to a short break, remind you of our holiday giveaway contest to enter. All you have to do subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as our Instagram account and like our holiday giveaway post and tag three friends and you could win a copy, an autographed copy of Steve's book. Now we're heading to our final break, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hi folks, this is Ben from Connecticut. I'm just calling about some of the fundamental analysis that you guys do, what type of metrics you look for without giving away the secret sauce. Basically, I'm curious on what numbers you look for in the ratio of EV to EBITDA and then price sales and then price to book. So if you guys could provide a, uh, a kind of range that you use to determine the value in that way, it would be helpful for my own fundamental analysis. Thank you. Love the show. I've been listening to it for years and uh, I await a response. Thanks a bunch. All right. Well, the first thing you have to understand is that everything is relative. What I mean by that is, first off, it's relative to the industry. Every industry is going to be different. The multiples you get in the commodity space are almost always going to be lower than, say, the technology industry. Why is that? Well, one has high margins and a typically steady business that's tech and one has typically lower margins and a very up and down cyclical business that would be commodities so you're obviously going to pay a premium for that steadiness and those higher margins So it's best to, when you're looking at these ratios, say, okay, what is the average company in its space trading at? And then is that a discount? Is that a premium? And should it be at a discount or should it be a premium? Typically that's because of the quality and stickiness of their business. 
For example, there are SaaS companies, software as a service, that have 95, 98% retention rates. Others are closer to 85. You're obviously going to pay a premium for the one that has one that's 95 over one that has retention rate of 85. So that's first off. Then it's compared to its history. So what is the typical range that this trades at? Is that above the 5, 10 year average? So that's what you want to look at. So there's not a hard and fast rule that, oh, 10 is cheap or 15 is cheap. No, it's what does this look like compared to others within its industry and the history that the market tends to value this company at. And then you want to look at profitability. We like return equity, for example, at 15 or higher. Or it's called mid-teens or higher. You want a balance sheet that isn't over-levered. You don't want, for example, times interest earned. You, want, you don't want that below probably five. But mainly it's about the steadiness of the cash flows, cash from operations, free cash flow, et cetera. And those are things that we, we look at. And then it's capital allocation. Is the company paying itself a big dividend? Is it making bad acquisitions? Or is it buying back shares and it's very disciplined with its cash flow that it's creating? Is it increasing that dividend over time? Maybe it's not a big dividend payer, but meaning that its current dividend yield isn't very high, but honestly, that's not the greatest way to look at dividends. It's more about, is it increasing that dividend consistently? Is it buying back shares consistently? Are the return on assets consistent and rising? Those are figures that you want to focus on. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.